0: It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 1057FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki.
2: and that of course was uh the japanese feed of uh last weekend's 101st running of the indianapolis 500, in which their countryman Takuma Sato won in a, a very, very exciting race over Elio Castro Neves in, for Team Penske. Of course, Sato driving for Andretti Autosport. And uh, there was thoughts of a Formula 1 driver winning the race, that being Fernando Alonso, but actually it was another one, a former F1 driver, of course, Takuma Sato, who actually stood on the podium at Indianapolis for a Formula One race, I believe, in the final F1 race that was held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And uh, Sato won the race. Uh, I had the pleasure to be at the track, actually got a fan's eye view of the race for the first time ever. I've sat in the the stands many times for qualifying in that in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, I should say, and uh, also up where I was sitting in the penthouse seats up in turn one just right at basically pit pit exit and it was a fantastic fantastic view that's the area that's been rebuilt uh they redid that area last year fantastic they have elevator services up there for for the fans and uh multiple uh restrooms on each floor along with snack like a snack stands for hot dogs and whatnot in a very very customer friendly fan friendly uh venue to see a race i must say and uh w- with with that event uh, we'll be talking more with course with tony de here in a few minutes and kind of digging in deep into the who what where when and why kind of the race but i kind of wanted to get get a kind of a fan's perspective or the man in the street perspective and of course Producing the show with me this week is Jeff Olowski.
3: And Jeff, uh, what what was your thoughts on the race? I thought it was wildly entertaining. Um, You know, it it had, the passing was just unreal. You know, the guys were able to pass at will almost. It seemed like Uh, the closing speed, uh, you know, when it looked like, it, the car ahead of you was, you know, 10 12 uh car lengths ahead, the closing speed if you're if you're getting around them and you got a good run coming out of coming out of 2, coming out of 4, you know, it was it was very exciting. Obviously, had some scary crashes and everybody's okay, which, you know, is is great, but uh I thought it was just a fantastic race start to finish. Have you gotten any feedback from other people uh Yeah, m- most of it is while the Indy 500 was so much more entertaining than the Coca-Cola 600. Yeah. So a lot of it was, you know, some praise for Indy more trashing NASCAR.
2: It was kind of, uh, I mean, for me, on a personal point of view, it was interesting because after the race, I was in no rush to go because, it was, you know, there's there's two trains of thought uh, for if if you're either going to beat the crowd or you're going to wait the crowd out right for me there's no there's no reason to do anything else and i've done both i've i've beaten the crowd out a few times and that's actually kind of thrilling and fun but there's another part of me that kind of enjoys just sitting on my buddy's porch in auburn street and watching the drunks go by so (laughs) uh and that's what we did this this time and perfectly i mean they were always worried about showers and that it wasn't until I, i i gotta be about an hour and a half after a big, strong thunderstorm cell kind of came through, and it rained like a mutter for, I want to say about a half hour, 20 minutes or so. It was a pretty good, pretty good old good old uh, Indiana uh, thunderstorm. But it was, so I didn't leave till about three hours after the race. Made it home to Milwaukee here, the Milwaukee area, at about 1045 to see the final segment of the, <laughs> of the nascar race and yep. thanks to a uh, serious radio i was able to listen to segment three on the way up and and parts of segment two uh in northern indiana but i mean it was incredible that that rain the 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 little intermission they had there was was perfect i mean i did not think i was going to see any of that race live and it just so happened that I, that i did and yeah it was kind of frustrating i mean it, it, it was it was Martin Truex race. Oh, absolutely. And and, and just for Austin Dillon to kind of sneak in there, I guess, kind of the same way that Alexander Rossi kind of won last year. Truex, you know, the 500 last year, but Truex won the 600 last year, uh, dominating fashion. Looks like he was going to do it again. What was your kind of what your thoughts on that? Before we, of course, we'll talk more about this in the second hour with Dennis Michelson, but.
3: Well, you know, Truex had the dominant car and then in in stage four, you know, Kyle Bush really got got his right. tuned up and, and was running on rails and he ended up passing Truex uh, you know, with a few laps to go there and ended up coming home second. We obviously all know what happened in the in the post race uh press conference with uh with Kyle Bush and I'm sure we'll talk about that later as yeah, well. Yeah, I do want to talk about that because but, uh but yeah, you know, it, it was just It was just another kind of ho hum. It it was better than the All Star race, but not by a whole lot. Mm -hmm. You know, and then why would NASCAR put down the. the, 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 uh, the, uh yeah, the <laughs> that, this, this, THC, whatever. The, yeah, it this is. this THC. THC, where's your mind? <laughs> VHT, VHT, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Why would they put that down when the race, you know, and obviously the rain had a little bit to do about, uh, with it, but only like an hour of it was under the sun. Right. And so then, then, you know, the sun goes down, the track cools off and it doesn't really do much. Yeah. So it just it wasn't it wasn't what one of the marquee races in NASCAR should have been.
2: It just and like I said we'll talk more with Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio in the next hour on this, but it, it's it's kind of frustrating for, you know, because we try we, we want to be honest, we want to be fair. And you know some people are like oh that's an IndyCar show they don't like NASCAR. No, no, it's not like that. Jeff is a hardcore NASCAR fan. Yes, I am. I was brought up as a stock car fan with the old USAC series and NASCAR series. Love Dick Trickle, Alan kowicki all those guys, you know. And, and it's just kind of frustrating when you see a sport that you like and love, just kind of you know being in a situation that it is now. We went through the same thing with the IndyCar series with me. I mean, I'm a a kid that was brought up on everything. I don't care if it's drag racing with Big Daddy Don Garlitz, if it's Lamal racing with the Porsche and Ferraris, stock car racing with Richard Petty and those guys back in the day and David Pearson you know, I, I just loved I don't care. I was a gearhead as a kid, man. I loved that stuff. And yeah, if it's got a motor. Yeah, exactly. So what we're going to do and uh, what we have coming up uh, on the show, uh, coming up next is going to be Tony DeZeno from NBCSports.com. We're going to dig in, talk about the Indianapolis 500, do a couple segments with him and then we're going to talk with eddie lapine from RacingNation.com. we'll talk about the monaco grand prix that was held before i mean it was certainly the the super bowl of, of uh, i mean all of the big racing was last week he had monaco grand prix in the morning indianapolis 500 and of course the world 600 uh at charlotte in the evening so a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And then in the second hour, we'll talk with Dennis Michelson. We'll talk more NASCAR uh, from racetalkradio.com. And then I'll uh, we'll close out the show with Dennis and Lori talking a bit more NASCAR. So thanks, uh, thanks for listening today. You're listening to, listening to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you check them out this weekend. The weather is good, the racing out at Great Lakes Dragway is even going to be better check out all the new things that they have there go to greatlakesdragway.com it's not too late to get out there and uh, if you get out there check out their uh, website you pay for you, you pay for admission you can even drag race your car so you can check out how the Nissan Maxima is doing what do you have a Nissan Sentra
3: I got a I've got a Nissan Quest minivan which I don't think would uh, burn down I, uh,
2: I think we should put that thing on the drag strip
3: hey I'll I'll, I'll try it All but right. uh, yeah I'm I got talked to Roy <laughs> Henning who was on
2: last week so uh, we'll, we'll we will uh, talk to those guys and we're gonna talk to Tony DeZino next and the Milwaukee area and Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com.
0: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome
2: back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. On the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. Welcome to the show, Tony.
1: Hey, Z-Man. Good to be on and uh, good seeing a lot of fellow Wisconsinites last week, although not at all hours, unfortunately.
2: Well, I, I do have to apologize to you on air because we were doing a little media uh, dog and pony show uh, that they do in the North Plaza. And we saw, we, it was funny, we were running around and I saw you and then I had a, phone call and it was so important i don't i don't even remember who it was but i do remember <laughs> that i had to take the phone call
3: and i blew you off so I, on I air mean, i apologize
1: to be, to, to be fair when fernando Alonso calls you
3: gotta take it so. <laughs> hey tony do you feel like you're getting big-timed by uh zaki here he sits in the penthouse suites you know he's too good for uh for the media section and then he blows you off when when the celebrities are calling them? are you getting big-timed by the Z-Man?
1: You know, the Z-Man's last name might be last in the dictionary, but it's first in the penthouse, man. <laughs> it's one, six, one, so um, you know that's why I have the Z as the capital. To just try to be on on the same level.
2: Well, we we let off the show with the the Japanese television, and um, uh, Jeff Olson did a pretty cool article about the Japanese media contingent, and for for many years. Dating back to the 90s, I remember these guys follow. There's always been, as long as there's been a Japanese driver, as far as I know, pretty much since 92, there has been one. There might have been a year or two in which there wasn't one, but let's see, we got Hiro Mashusta, we got uh, uh, Takagi, Matsura,
1: Matsura, Muto. Yeah. There's been a number of them, but there there really hasn't been anyone quite on, on Taku's level for a while. And and it the irony of Jeff Olson writing that article. That J O is a good dude, and uh, you know I remember him very famously being I think aggrieved at a St. Pete race a number of years back where Graham Rahal won it, and I think he was annoyed by cheering in the press box. So, but in this case, it was I, I really I agree with you. I really like that article because they were they were pumped. I mean they were fired up, and it was it's just as as uh, as exciting it, uh, to watch them as it was to watch the finish.
2: It was. So, and, so. and I thought he brought a good point where he kind of says, you know, you see them, you know, with, you know, with, with the jet lag and that. And there was a lot of times I've seen these guys pull into Indianapolis and they are just beat. <laughs> you know, and you could tell, you know, these guys are just beat to heck. And I'd see this at Milwaukee too, when they fly in. and I felt so bad for these guys because, I mean, it's pretty. That is pretty much a total opposite, night night and day thing. Where you know, people may bitch and moan about being from New York going to L.A. or vice versa. There's a big difference going from uh, Japan to Indianapolis. That is true, true jet lag. And these guys were, I mean, they were hurting.
1: Now here's the thing, right? So we let off with the call at the top of the show, and they're this excited at you know three, four, five in the morning, whatever it is in Japan. Could you imagine how excited they would be if it was up at normal hours? You know, <laughs> something? I mean, they're that pumped up the top in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking it's just, it, I think there's there's a really cool cultural connection, and I think there's there's something to be said for for what Sato's win means for Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, given all their reliability issues throughout the month, that it's a guy that has been with them for 15-plus years, has been with the Honda of Japan component, has been with you know the the factory team in F1, had a separate team that he got to drive for, super aguri, super best friends. I mean, Fernando Alonso must be having you know, Canadian GP nightmare flashbacks because there's Sato trolling him again, just like he did at Montreal when he passed him when he was in the McLaren. So. Mm-hmm. And and what Sato's you know been over here you know he's he's been really aligned with Honda too. I think, for from a manufacturer standpoint, I don't think there's there's a driver they're more, you know, aligned with than than what uh, what Taku is.
2: Sure, sure. And, and you know with and that I mean, them and Elio. I mean, all credit though to Elio. I mean that wow. he drove. I mean, those two guys were at ten 10s I mean. They were pushing it as far as they could go, and you could really – I mean, it's, sometimes it's harder to tell in an IndyCar to, to other forms of racing, but for, for those that have been there at the Speedway and and seen some pretty good racing, that's, that's as good as it gets.
1: And it was tense, too, because was, yeah. you, you just have the, the setup of, okay, Taku is a guy that is – so fast, but unfortunately has had a reputation of not being able to finish the job. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going last lap. and It's like, you know, some people are next to me, like he's got this, he's got this. I'm like, make it through turn four. We've been here before <laughs> in this spot. And Elio's, you know, putting pressure on him. And the thing of it was, I thought this was one of Elio's best ever drives in his whole career. Oh, I mean, sure. Not just at Indy, but you know, he had the damage. I mean, he had the fact he had Scott Dixon's car almost flying over the top of him at one point loses the rear wing end fence, he's basically running a car at qualifying trim, super low downforce the whole race, and yet is able to hang on to it despite not having the grip in the corners with well, a car that has a known power deficit. You know, it's not much, but it's an it efficient enough gap to where, you know, he was able to hang tough even though Taku had what was a clearly superior car. It was it was a fantastic effort uh, from Elio and it, you know, go figure, right? I mean, the guy is still this good, and I, I don't think people talk about how good he still is and, and how long he's been this good, too. It, it is, it's is—it's just hard to appreciate that because, you know, finishing second, he's so frustrated that it's another opportunity that, that's gone away from them to, to get that fourth.
2: And then the scouting report on Dale Coin Racing, uh, good on street courses and some road racing, but... Nah, they're not really good on the super speedways. We can tear that that we can tear that up right now.
1: Four words or five. Craig Hampson and Olivier Bosson, the two engineers that they brought on this year, because that's the guys that made T-Bell's car a rocket ship last year at Andretti. And Sebastian Bourdais, what a shame. Um, you know, would have been, probably could have been on the pole, certainly on the front row. Uh, and then he gets hurt, and James Davison gets plucked out of, you know, a, pack of angry, hungry drivers that want to be in the paddock and want to be in the car. Um, goes 33rd to 1st, and then my vote uh, for Rookie of the Year, mine not everyone's, unfortunately. Ed Jones, what a what a performance by him. I mean, guy just flies under the radar all month. who's you know, it's interesting. I, I went into the month and saying, oh, Alonzo's a big story, but, you know, hey, look, there's these three other Maz Road Indy grads that are also rookies. And, mm-hmm. and Ed just lived up to it the whole month. Uh, you know, in his co-group, he had Michael Cannon, as an engineer. He was consistent. He wasn't outside really the top seven or eight in practice all month. He was unlucky to qualify where he did. And he raced with guys that are so much more experienced, you uh, beyond his years I mean Elio paid him a tribute in the post race press conference so it was what Dale Coyne racing did this month is one of the most it's one of the most roller coaster months a team could ever have you lose your team leader you you have a huge financial setback on top of a previous financial setback at Phoenix and to, to rally the way they did I thought was you know that's the spirit of Indy, where you've got a team that's a little smaller, but overachieves, kicks its coverage, and gets results. So, and the great thing about Ed was he was he was mad, like he's like I, I right. the star was broken, and he's, he wanted to be higher. And you know that kind of fighting spirit's really cool to see.
2: And and the other one who was kind of disappointed, but you know if you had him in a pool, you were impressed, especially if you paid out like the first five spots. Is is you know Max Chilton? This mm-hmm. is a guy who's who struggled. And there's a lot of people scratching their heads. What is this guy doing? You know, when is the when it's what, you know when's the light going to click on? And I, I think we know one of the reasons why, don't we?
1: Well, uh, I'm not entirely sure what what, what you. Well, mean with Dario and that, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, the, the transfer of the magic hair, right? <laughs> um, what, one other one other change that's been interesting for Max, and, and he. Basically strategized his way to the front of a little bit before halfway, got to got to the lead, stayed out front. But then they made a rather peculiar call at the time where they pitted on one of the yellows with about 75 laps to go. And it's like, well, you can't get home in two stops from there. So they still would have needed a third stop. But they, they got lucky a little bit later when uh, Kimball's engine went out. Uh, that put everyone back on the same strategy. But Max raced really, really well. Um, was good at defense. I mean, there were a couple times where Takuma or Elia would come after him, and he held him off through turn one. He just lost grip as a, the last stage went on. It's interesting. I talked to him on Media Day, and I said, hey, you know. 15th last year is, is like fifth a reasonable goal. Can you win it? He's just like, yeah, mate, there's no podiums here. I, I had Charlie, you know, finish third a couple years ago, and he won one interview and then got to go back to the the, the lounge and drink orange juice, you know. So he was just basically saying that, that, that you get forgotten otherwise. But he had a, a dynamic month. He had a great run in the GP, was really solid throughout the month, and, and you know, few if anyone would have had him as Ganassi's top finishing driver, and, and he was that.
2: Okay, I want to re- revisit this rookie of the year discussion and debate. Um, I I'm not totally saying one one vote is is right and one vote is wrong. However, I, I do want to bring a little bit of history into it, only because I just did an article on this guy about a month or two ago. And that's Josey Garza uh, yeah. in 1981. Josey Garza kind of came to it came to the Indianapolis new team. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, one-year-old Penske PC9Bs, and, and with him and Jeff Brabham, just really, really took to the speedway and, and was was spectacular. Uh, in, in a day when it was really, really tough for rookies to kind of claw to the top of the, the crab pail. And, and for was he led a few laps, and he was running in top five most of the day, and then had an issue where he, he hit the wall, I think, in, uh, in turn three. The crowd really loved him and everything. Jeff Brabham finished, I think, fourth or fifth in that race. Probably should have won Rookie of the Year, but it was actually it was Garza who got to Rookie of the Year. I think that's kind of where you're seeing that that's way the voting went this year because, you know, they, they they don't ought to, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this, Tony, it doesn't go to the highest finishing rookie. It's kind of the overall for the whole month of May, which isn't really a month of May anymore, but...
3: Uh, what's your what's your opinion on that? Well, Does great that article you? on that, Tony. By the way, uh, where you broke down all the different ways that uh, that the voting happens, and and you put your vote out there and said you voted for Jones, which which takes some stones to do. So kudos to you. Well,
2: I guess we should probably direct the listeners to that article on NBCSports.com.
1: Yeah, right. So it's a piece called "Inside the Indy 500 Rookie Voting Process." Um, how's my uh, last name ahead of it. Uh, the beauty of the website search function is that's the easiest way to do it, or just go to nbc slash motors. That aside, uh, yeah, so that breaks down kind of the the protocol for, for what the voting process was. It was a little confusing this year because some media members either thought they would have got a ballot and they didn't, or they got it late, or there was a compressed timeline, so the whole process seemed a little a little confusing at the outset, but In layman's terms, there was four criteria. You're supposed to equally, you know, distribute percentages for for what deserves them. And here's here's the thing, right? So there's accessibility, there's ability, and and really, you know, no one's doubting Fernando Alonso's ability. The dude's one of the greatest drivers currently competing and in racing, and you know than that ever has. But Ed Jones, who is not as well-known or not as well-heralded, held his own with the guy that has this level of ability the whole month. So there's, you know, there's kind of a wash. Accessibility is a different thing. You know, Alonzo was, was everywhere throughout the month, and Jones would have been. You know, it's like it's not that he wasn't available, it's just people weren't willing to seek him out. That, that shouldn't be held against him if you don't pay attention or, or find out what the guy is. And then in the on-track standpoint... Keep in mind, Alonso had the extra test day where he not only had to do the rookie orientation program, but he also got to do race procedure stuff like running under yellow, doing pit in and outs, which the other rookies didn't get the chance to do. So there's almost sort of a built-in there that I don't want to call it an unfair advantage, but was since all rookies need to have an oval test day beforehand, uh, that was something Fernando had at that particular moment. So uh, I, resources are not directly factored into it, but the Andretti team is, you know, arguably the best at Indy the last few years. And the coin team, as we discussed earlier, is, you know, small budget, has a way of making more out of nothing, but Ed but did that. And uh, so, you know, in an ideal world, there's co-rookies of the year. I thought Ed deserved at least that, but when it came down to a straight fight, um, I voted for, for Ed. I, I was fully impressed with everything Fernando did this month. And I think he, he was really gracious throughout the process, but uh, I was worried he'd overshadow the rest of the field. And I, I think he did to some extent.
2: Very good. I, you know, I, and, and I, yeah, I, that's a good, I, I kind of like that. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the Cold War Rookies of the year would have been, I mean, we, we did it in 1978 with Rick Mears and Larry Rice but, there's, and, and, there's
1: been four or five examples yeah. of that before, so it, it has happened. It's not something that should happen frequently. But right. We've now had, in the last four years, we've now had the guest outsider, Kurt Busch, you know Fernando Alonso, win rookie of the year. And Kurt's never driven an IndyCar race since. And Fernando, we don't know if he's going to drive in an IndyCar race again after this. He says he's going to come back, but I mean, there's so much that has to happen for that to happen. I mean, his F1 situation has to get worked out and if he's in a competitive car he's not gonna miss Monaco again. Right. You know, we we all have these these questions and for IndyCar now it's like, well we can't even sell that our indie, you know, rookie of the year is also competing alongside our Indy five hundred champion because he's not indie rookie of the year. So I don't know. That's my argument. I'm sticking to it and uh yeah. He, that's uh, that's the beauty of opinion though, as we all have them.
2: He would have won Rookie of the Year if his name would have been Fast Eddie.
1: See, and that was, that was the thing, that, and I credited the ABC guys on this. They had this um, really cool driver intros that they didn't sync up with the traditional one that the Speedway does on the PA. Mm-hmm. But they actually had these these little vignettes, and Dennis Leary actually called him Fast Eddie Jones. And that was kind of cool, I thought, because it's like, oh, you're giving a fractional modicum of personality to a guy who right. got a really dry, sardonic sense of humor and wears a you know, adult club hat as part of his sponsors, basically to troll everything with this, uh, 11 in Miami, which, you know, it's, it's, it, if you, if you do a little bit of research, you'll find out more information on that front. This is a family show though. So, um, but yeah, good, good stuff.
2: Talking with Tony Dezino on the great Midwest Pink hotline. We're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk more IndyCar racing with Tony Dezino from NBC Sports. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show on 1057 FM, The Fan. Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure to get out there this weekend. Beautiful weather, beautiful cars. Go out there and see some wonderful drag racing action and have some great food. I'd like to thank our friends at the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at rcom And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, is Tony Dezino from NBCSports.com. Tony, welcome back to the show. What's the latest happening?
1: Yeah, so um, anyway, the the season moves on after Indianapolis. Seems as that that's always hard is the belief. Um, to the Detroit Milwaukee C- Mile. The,
2: the Rex yeah, Mays it-
1: Classic. I love it. Nineteen sixty seven called. Uh. Um, <laughs> no? Anyway, they're not uh, coming to Milwaukee? Well, not sadly. We're in Detroit, oh. so the, uh, oh. the the annual Roger Penske doubleheader uh, benefit concert. No, I, I don't know. It's uh, I like Detroit. I actually like the event. It's just such a brutal drain on the crews and everyone that does this, this two doubleheader thing. I double, think it, double your pleasure. Double your pleasure. It's crazy, right? With double points at Indy and then double races at Detroit, you get so many points within a two-week period. It's kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, so that's going on it's June. So there's also Lamont to look forward to, Canadian GPs next week. So, um, yeah, basically we move on from Indypalooza to rest of the season and the championships start framing up. So and we'll have all the coverage for, as we go.
2: Should be a lot of fun. And then uh, let's see, last week, I think, or I should say last year, the Detroit Grand Prix was uh, won by Sebastian Bourdais and Will Power. And uh, this, at least
1: one of those two can repeat. One of the side effects of Bordé being out is he he's won this race the last two years, at least one of the two races, and uh, doesn't get the chance to defend. So there's these are always kind of two wacky races where at least one of them is really weird, where somebody wins off sequence, or it rains, or someone dominates. It's just not really a rhythm to it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a, a lottery weekend, but it's an important one to get through and. Now, the big challenge at Detroit is always what happens to the Indy 500 winner because, you know, they're, they run ragged through the week of media. They go to New York. They go to Texas. By the time they get to Detroit, they're like, oh, just get me in the car already. So, and the weird thing is Sato's usually been pretty good at Detroit. So, will that hold? I don't know. But he's now up to a tie for second in the points. So, suddenly a guy that you wouldn't have thought of as a title contender is actually in that framework. So he was that way a few years ago when he drove for Foyt one long beach. He was like, I think you're actually leading the points. In going 2013, to yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
2: Hey, uh, anyway. one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I forgot to, because we were getting a little short on time, uh, Gabby Chavez. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we should give a shout-out for him, especially since we kind of blew him off by accident uh, last week or two weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, where we were, we were. He was calling into the studio, and we could not hook him up to the board for some reason. So, uh and I, I <laughs> it was kind of frustrating that way. But, anyways, I, I gotta give him a shout out. He was running. He, he's one of these guys, and it's it's one of the things with with the what's cool at the 500. ers there's, there's always that one guy who's the steady Eddie. Pardon the pun mm. with uh, uh, not saying it about Eddie Ed Jones, but. Gabby was that guy who who just kept moving up, kept moving up the leaderboard a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You're thinking, well, okay, Munoz is running ninth, Chavez is 10th, and then you're like, whoa, wait a second, he got him. So I, I totally miss it. I mean, did, did he get him in the last couple of laps, there?
1: Must have been late. I, yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. I think we were all fixated on the right. battle that, you know, it's hard to, to track those bottom top 10 guys. The 500 is always one where you look up at the results. and He's like he was ninth, like, and it's mm-hmm. and it's typical Gabby too, right? Because the guys, I felt bad for him last year because he went from being super impressive as a rookie in 15 single budget or single car team, low budget, to getting his ride lost. Rossi then wins the Indy 500 in that car, um, you know, and now he's got a you know nothing, you know, his partial season deal with Dale Coyne. So yeah, he just drove a really consistent, clean race all month. The Harding Racing team is going to run two more races this year, and it's really cool because Gabby's just such a good kid. And I think people probably people have very short memories in the sport, so it it was good to give. Sorry, good that Gabby gave a reminder of what he is capable of, particularly with a team that had never, you know, had a live race or had pit stops as a collective unit.
2: Mm-hmm. Certainly was, and uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned him. He did, a, he did a pretty A plus job, uh, considering all uh, the thrashing I had to get that program going. And we look forward to seeing him. Hopefully, it'll be uh Texas and Pocono. So, any any final thoughts on Indy? You got any tidbits of information you want
1: to? Um, just briefly. And um, there's, there's no there's no fast way to condense all the the thoughts when you're running up against time. But thank goodness the the Injuries weren't worse. Thank goodness Bordet and the wall and the mm-hmm. safer wall, Hans' device, the whole Matro safety team, all the things that made Bordet, you know, start his road to recovery and Dixon not be hurt from a vicious looking crash. Those are awesome. Penske, weird month. I don't really know what to make of a month where they didn't seem ultra competitive. It was strange. Uh, a couple other guys, I mean, tough to see some of the Andretti guys fall out. Hunter Ray, well, I don't know what he has to do to buy a break. He's had two five hundreds. He could have won a race through no fault of his own. And uh yeah, uh, a couple other teams debuted. Yunkos got both of their cars home to the finish. Michael Shanks team a little less fortunate. They got taken out by Debris. Uh, no fault of their own either. So, always plenty of good stories in the field of 33. We didn't even touch on Alonzo really outside of the, the Rookie of the Year thing. He did he did what he needed to do, but it was overkill <laughs> at the end of the day. So exciting. We move on, and uh, man, it was a tense but fun 500 this year.
2: Give me give me your most unusual moment of the month from just you, media, anything. You're at a party and you're talking. Okay, to
1: somebody. the most real moment by far was on media day. It's unreal picture superlative, right? So I'm talking to Sebastian Saavedra, who's driving for Yunkos and Seb is sat next to Alonzo. And there is the perfect contrast of the month encapsulated in a 30-second video where it's me as the only person talking to a dude who's with a team that's making his debut. Meanwhile, there's a 100 people five, six rows deep, crowded around Alonzo. More dictaphones in that five, you know, five foot radius and there's anywhere else in that room. So I was like, if you need a visual represent, representation of Overkill, this is it. So, um, and, and there's video of it. NASCAR chasm that the famous satirist even set that to like the sad Sarah McLaughlin song that you see on infomercials <laughs> at two in the morning. So just with the, the, the contrast of Seb looking so sad while everyone is around Alonzo. So that, that to me was, was the 517 comprised in, in one visual element.
2: I have to admit uh, I had the same situation with Spencer Pigott, who was a friend of the show and, and and he was sitting there alone I said I I walked over by him I said Spencer come on let's have a fun chat I said you know let's let's have some fun here so and we did he did a we had a had a fun interview with him but I, I stuck my I stuck my microphone in the <laughs> in the Alonzo crowd just to get a, just a just to get a little soundbite and of course he was talking in spanish at the time so i of course i had to play it last week on the show so there you go uh, tony appreciate it looking forward to uh chatting with you in the near future as your schedule provides because you are a man on the go so appreciate it you all spending time with us and make sure to check out his stuff at nbcsports.com all the good stuff on the motors a section at the tab at the top of the web page tony thank you
1: sir cool thanks guys appreciate it as always
2: And you're listening to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure to get out there this weekend and also like to thank our friends at the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at MILWCAR.com. Coming up next, Fast Eddie Lapine from Racing Nation will break down the Monaco Grand Prix in just a moment on the fan.
3: This
0: is Final Inspection with Steve Saki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Now, it's time for Sparky's Take.
4: Time for another Sparky's Take. I'm Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Uh, We'll talk a little NASCAR, maybe a little IndyCar. We'll get into a couple different things here. First, let's talk about the 600. The winner, Austin Dillon, driving the black number three. How about those apples? Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s number in victory circle at the Coca-Cola 600. A very cool, sentimental thing uh, to see for Dale Earnhardt fans, obviously. A cool thing to know that his grandkid, Austin Dillon, was the one that brings it home. Now what's going to be interesting to see is, can Austin Dillon eventually be a face of NASCAR? Dale Earnhardt Jr. is heading out the door at the end of this year, as we all know. They're going to need a face. Jimmy Johnson, old, old guy. So Jeff Gordon's gone already. Kevin Harvick, old guy. They, they aren't going to have that guy. Now Kyle Busch desperately is trying to be the black hat of the sport, trying to be the bad guy. Maybe there's a little rivalry between him and Kozlowski now. That would be good for the sport if that could actually happen. Those two get going. Both of them can be whiny at times. And Kozlowski, a great guy to follow on Twitter. If you don't, you should. Very entertaining. Very, uh, I think he's a pretty smart dude. Uh, Very entertaining uh, follow too. So can he become the face of NASCAR Austin Dillon? Or will it be Kyle Larson? Or will it be Blaney? Who will it be going forward? They're going to need him. Because as I've said before, and I'll say again, I think the sport's in trouble as soon as Dale Jr. walks out that door and says he is done. At that point, your largest fan base is not going to have anywhere to go. Now, will they run to Austin Dillon? I think the odds are yes. I'm willing to bet you they are going to run to Austin Dillon and you will see more of those black shirts walking around racetracks than any other shirt. Now you can say it's not deserved and I will say Dale Earnhardt Jr. wasn't deserved to get the fan base he got upon Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death, but he got it because of the last name and he was kind of that rock star young kid on the scene. Austin Dillon's got the cowboy hat, got the All shucks attitude that he has. I think that might be your new face of NASCAR no matter how much it may bother you. Over to IndyCar, I owe Steve Zotke an apology. I always used to make fun of Steve Zotke back when I hosted Final Inspection about being a Takuma Sato fan uh, when he was arriving for A.J. Foyt Racing. He always used to tell me how much better of a racer than I actually gave him credit for, and I laughed at him and said, yeah, no, I'm not buying that. And over the course of time, he has proven to be a better race car driver than I thought. But stop the presses. When you win the Indianapolis 500, you have now arrived, at least in my mind, so congratulations to Takuma Sato on that one. And more importantly, IndyCar owes a big, big, big debt of gratitude to Fernando Alonso for bringing all those eyes for the month of May to IndyCar from Formula One fans around the world. They owe a bit debt of, big debt of gratitude to Alonso, who after the race talked about how hard the race was and how he'd want to come back and race again. I floated this idea the other day to Jeff Orlovsky. They need to figure out a way to come to the table Uh, with Formula 1 and figure out if they can figure out a way to get Formula 1 and IndyCar uh, on the same track. Maybe twice a year. Once on a road course somewhere else in the world, uh, Formula 1s, and the other at the Indianapolis 500 with the Formula 1 drivers. That would be awesome. I hope they can figure that out and I will be very, very happy. Enjoy the rest of your day, boys.